ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Average to Elite Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lowe. And today I'm joined by the number one ranked cyclist in Ireland, Mr. Dara Feely. Uh, Dara is also on my athlete coaching program, and I've been so incredibly impressed with him over the last couple of months, um, basically on his day-to-day habits, his process-driven mindset, uh, his level of implementation, his standards, uh, you name it. He's operating on such a high level, and uh, it's absolutely phenomenal to see. So I thought I'd invite him on the show today uh, so you can really get a nice insight of what he's doing on a day-to-day basis to live this high-performance lifestyle. So Dara's also really open and honest by his um, cycling career today with regards to nutrition strategies he's used, what's worked, what hasn't worked, loads of key insights and uh, valuable lessons you can extract and, um, you know, simply just apply into your own performance so you can take that to the next level and, you know, maximize your true potential not only in sport but in life as well so it was absolutely incredible like i said and i really value and appreciate his time in sharing everything today so without further ado guys let's get into today's show Dara, hope all is well. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Average to Elite podcast. An absolute pleasure and privilege to have you on. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, Chris. I can't complain. Uh, given the current circumstances, life is good. Any day I'm able to ride my bike and eat plenty of food is always a good day, so I'm not complaining. Especially yesterday, obviously, you put on a Insta how big of a day that was, a solid 300k and about 8,000 calories expended so big all day for you yeah and look you know any day where you're just eating to your heart's content is 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 brilliant you know i think (laughs) i I just can't put words to it really you know i think i've lost my mind in a way but at the same time it just goes to show you my progression so far and that is partially to do with working with you as well outstanding thank you great for the plug awesome (laughs) (laughs) we'll get into that already drop it in where we can (laughs) absolutely so uh, i i clearly know who you are i've been working with you now for the last couple of months which has been absolutely incredible and why i was really keen to have you on the pod today is basically because your high standards your level of implementation and then you just getting shit done uh it's absolutely incredible so obviously like i mentioned uh off air was the whole aim for this podcast is to get different aspects of athletic development from average to elite. So whether that's body composition, fueling, recovery, immune function, like you name it. So obviously from working with you for the last couple of months, I've seen how well you've been applying all of this. So I just want to get your insights, your lessons and everything like that. So I'm sure a lot of athletes listening to this will take a huge amount away from this because I've been so impressed with what you've been doing. And like I mentioned, your performance is going to another level now, which is a, yeah, world class. So, um, <laughs> so um, basically, just get a really good understanding of you. Uh, Can you just give me like a real brief background into yourself? So, in terms of your cycling, your cycling career so far, that would be incredible. Yeah. So, my name is Dara Feely. I am currently an elite cyclist based in Ireland. I have represented my country on a number of occasions, uh, competing in cycling at major world and European events, uh, including world championships, uh, European championships, um, just to name a few. 
I have competed uh, as a professional cyclist and I have lived abroad um, uh, racing, uh, you name it, in some of the biggest races in the world. In 2020, I was the number one ranked Irish cyclist, uh, getting a total of nine wins across a short-lived season, which was highly impacted due to the current um, COVID pandemic, you could say. Um, other than that, I run my own coaching business. I am also working full-time away from that, uh, which will hopefully allow me to uh, turn my coaching side of things into a full-time job in the future. Um, and then on top of that, I am you know, trying to maintain the highest standard of performance that I physically can, which will allow me to hopefully get more results in the, in the coming months and in the coming years and just keep on operating at a high level and the sporting side of things. But other than that, look, that's a short introduction as to who I am. It's, um, it's quite hard to <laughs> say who I am. It's a, it's a tough question. Who actually am I? I? I don't know. Maybe I haven't actually answered the question properly, but that's what I can get out at this moment in time. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. Sometimes it's just like the smallest or simplest questions that kind of stumble you. It's like, Oh, who am I? Like this introspective analysis you have to do. It's like, I don't, I don't know anymore. You start questioning your whole entire life. Oh my God, who am I? But look, that's it. No, that, that is absolutely awesome. So essentially, the, um, the, this podcast is called Average to Elite and you are competing at such a high level. So you are living and breathing this high performance lifestyle. And uh, yeah, so I just love to yeah just kind of unravel all this kind of stuff today, which would be awesome. So we kind of know uh, where you've been, uh, where we are now. So what is next with our, like what's the mission and vision for you? So what are your aspirations? What are we chasing? Um, look, last year, 2020 was, was a brilliant year in terms of performance. And, you know, with an ever changing high performance world, the athletes that you're competing against, they're all implementing high performance strategies in every area of their life. So the next thing for Dara going from that answer is just to keep progressing and allowing me to stay on top of the, the pile when it comes to performance. Is there any major goals set in stone as of yet? No, but the number one uh, goal there would be just to, you know, keep progressing as an athlete and just get the most out of myself. And that's ultimately a journey of self-discovery. So look, um, if you ask me that question in a couple of months time again, I'm sure I'll have a different answer for it. Would you say that you're far more process driven as opposed to outcome driven? Definitely. Um, I think without the actual process of, you know, going through the motions every single day um, the goal at the end of the road, at the end of the road would not mean anything. I'm definitely a process driven athlete. Definitely, without doubt. Absolutely. And what would you tell people who are outcome driven? Because I know they get very affected by results and then that can affect the whole process and the adherence to the process, the discipline and everything. Yeah, well, one thing is, you know, look, say if I go back to my own career when it comes to winning races and stuff like that, when it comes to results, so the results may be goals and um, look, I've won quite a few races and ultimately, you know, that success, you know, that's only a momentary, um, you know, feeling of euphoria. It doesn't last as to where someone who is process driven, it's 
you know, getting up early in the morning and doing those training sessions when you don't want to do them, you can have that, you know, feel good effect every single day. Um, you know, from getting your work done uh, to get you to where you want to be. Um, it's ultimately very hard to answer that question. But when you are, a, if you are a goal-driven athlete, um, longevity in your chosen sport, it's not going to be as long as to someone who is process-driven. Now, you can be goal-driven at the same time, but falling in love with the process will allow you to ultimately, in my opinion, achieve more of your goals and just remain in your sport for much longer. And that's a key word that you mentioned, like the longevity of everything. Because um, ultimately, if you are very much outcome-driven, you have a bad result, then you lose, like, don't fall in love with the process as much anymore. Um, you know, ultimately, your career is not very long or as prosperous as it could be. So, and I think I've kind of seen that massively with you in terms of how process-driven you are, especially during lockdown, no competitions no races or anything like that you still get up you get everything done and just operate to an incredibly high standard um like no stone is left unturned absolutely absolutely and look it's um it's the work that you're doing every single day in in the process as a process driven athlete that's going to allow you to uh, achieve goals you know really whenever you want you know just because you have no goals set in stone for now and the future might seem quite bleak from a competition perspective and um, having that process to you know build on a day on day and look it just makes things so much easier and it's just going to allow you to pick it up from whenever you have to yeah absolutely for sure so as we are very much process driven is it has there been times throughout this covid pandemic where you just felt like i don't want to do the process and then you just end up doing it yeah oh look i think uh that happens, <laughs> you know, it's nearly every second day that happens. Um, the alarm goes in the morning and you're just like, oh my God, I do not want to do this. Or you're out in the road and you're doing a, a hard training session and you just want to get the bike and throw it over the ditch and say, look, I give up here. This, um, this isn't for me. And look, you know, you get your shit together really and you get it done. Um, yeah, look, there's many, many occasions that that happens and to be honest with you, if there was an athlete who gets up in the morning and loves absolutely every single aspect of, you know, just bettering yourself to become a better athlete, I would say that they they need their head checked, to be honest with you, because, look, there's always going to be obstacles uh, that arise, and there's actually more obstacles uh, that arise than there is, you know, good days in any uh, circumstance, whether that's business or performance sports performance whatever that may be <laughs> yeah look there's been many many challenges uh, during this lockdown but look it's it's um having that process that boils back to having that process and being a process driven athlete look it just allowed me to get my get the work done and you know get it done to the best of my ability absolutely that, that's really interesting and i guess then whenever you don't feel like you want to do it and you end up doing it you build that resilience that's a small win in itself and then when you actually get into races when you have to dig deep like you got that confidence that you're mentally strong, you're physically strong, you can get through it. Yeah, look, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's the way I see it is, look, when you get, get your work done, you feel so much better. It's a case of, look, you have a hard training session in front of you uh, or you're, say, when you go back to a nutrition point of view there, um, you say you have to fuel 
in a certain manner to, in order to be able to achieve um, you know certain power targets and training sessions whatever that may be when you actually get it done um, you say to yourself why was I dreading this so much and um, you know you're actually really happy that you've you know practiced what you preached or you that you've um, what you set out to do originally and that can seem quite daunting uh, initially but once you uh, get through it it's actually a really really enjoyable experience perfect so i guess that momentum and motivation because uh, originates from doing it. yeah absolutely you know and that goes back to being a process driven individual at the end of the day as well so it does yeah absolutely so so what does like a typical day look like for you you mentioned you get up really early we got a lot going on so what would a typical day kind of look like for you yeah so I work, um, you could say, full-time away from training. So a standard work week could be 45 hours a week. Um, it ultimately depends on uh, the week. But then I'm trying to juggle coaching on top of that. So that takes up a lot of time. Now, that's actually, some of that is done during my working hours as well. I'm probably not supposed to say that, but sure, look, so be it. Um, and then my own training on top of that as well. Um, you know, it is quite quite a hectic week. And then I also have some education thrown in on top of that as well. So it's ultimately one big juggling act, but it's all about planning your day, um, you know, and sticking, sticking to your plan. And, you know, that's what it boils down to. It's the same as a training program or it's the same as a, a nutritional plan to a certain extent. It's having that plan in front of you allows you to just tick off boxes one after another and that makes it so much easier now it is different for everybody and um, i'm quite special in the fact that i love that process and some people hate it so it's just easy for me so it is but look i have a very heavy day you could say uh, with training and work but you know having that plan in front of me and planning out everything uh, makes the whole process so so easy yeah, so that's a really key thing there, like what you're taking the lessons and the approach to not only your nutrition, but your training is going to go into other areas of your life in terms of your planning, your how you delegate, like your hours to, or should we say you budget or periodize your hours to coaching, to, you know, yeah, reading, absolutely. education, all that kind of stuff. And look, you can't do it all yourself. So like, this is why I work with my own coach when it comes to my own training. I'm working with you for my nutritional advice, everything there, trying to, you know, do implement all these things by yourself. It becomes very, very hard. And, you know, some things get neglected and having a coach in certain areas, whether it's my own performance in my cycling and it's my nutrition with you. And, um, you know, having that accountability there allows me to maintain, maintain that momentum day on day. And look, that just puts me in this super, super position, you know, um, you know, it's the perfect environment for a progression, really. So it is. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of like you working with coaches, obviously, like I said, working together, but for your own cycling coach, how does that typically work? Because obviously you're a very experienced cyclist, you coach cyclists yourself. What is the main um, reason for you hiring a sort of cycling coach to do your programming from that perspective? Is it the accountability? Is it the support? Is it to bounce ideas off? Is it for the plan? What, what do you feel like is working well for you there? It's 
it's a number of things. Um, look, it, first of all, it saves me time. Now, that's only a small part of it, but it's the accountability. It's to, it's having someone in your corner all the time when you need it, right? I know a lot of information myself. I don't know it all. It's very easy to program for someone else, but when you're programming for you and you're trying to coach yourself, you start to take shortcuts when it comes to your own work. And having that individual in your corner to keep you on the straight and narrow when things go bad when things go good you always have that person there watching over you and that you have look you're a message away from you know getting your question answered it's like if i have a question for you just send you a question you get back to me with an answer and it just clears my mind ultimately for me as an individual that's what I seek from my coach. And now I know everybody is different, but that's that's the, that's my answer to that question, really. So it's basically like the clarity and certainty about the approach. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the time we understand certain aspects of each, you know, uh, discipline, but having that uh, individual there to provide that clarity is it, it's essential, essential. So it is. Yeah, incredible. Very cool. So, like I mentioned, you are operating through a very high standard at the moment. Um, what What is working for you right now? What do you feel like is going well? And obviously, when we look at this um, athletic development kind of puzzle, this jigsaw, what do you feel like are the necessary parts you've been developing to make sure we have like a full painted picture? It's it's um, funny that you say that. Um, look. As I said to you before, um, I did have a problem with my nutrition beforehand and living abroad um, with teams and stuff like that, you get, into, you get into an environment that isn't ideal for your own development. And that led me down these you know, treacherous paths that you could say that the big one for me would have been I wasn't fueling my training properly and that had a massive knock-on effect on my performance overall. I got became very light. I had a massive, massive drop in power and look, it, it is a detrimental effect on my performance. But the big take-home for me really um, over the past couple of months would be boiling back down to that fueling for the work required side of things because look, I think a lot of the time, a lot of the time, it's not a case of overtraining and stuff like that for certain individuals. It's that lifestyle away from their training. So it's, you know, how are you, you know, what are you eating away from your training? What's your recovery protocols like? So that could be something as simple as, you know, what time are you getting to bed at? Are you getting enough sleep? And, you know, I've been focusing on the basics. Uh, so something as simple as eating enough carbohydrates or eating enough rice with your dinner has allowed me to maintain this, you know, near linear progression with my performance over the past couple of months. And I know, look, this podcast is about nutrition and stuff like that. And it might sound that you sound like you're paying me to say this, that and the other, but it's not like that. It's actually been something as simple as, you know, me, you know, eating like an adult and just, you know, doing simple things like fueling myself uh, on the bike, you know, it's just made a massive, massive difference to my performance and not just my performance, my mental health as well. You know, it's, you know, when you're going constantly going around in an energy 
you know, severe energy deprived state. And as an athlete, when you're trying to maintain a high workload and then a high workload away from that, it can become very, very heavy. And something as simple as me allowing myself, you know, the correct amount of food on a daily basis has just made a massive, massive difference to my life. And I think that's a really interesting point there. Like, I think a lot of athletes will think of, I need to fuel for this session or this game or this race, but then they forget about their life outside of it. And they're almost like zombies. They can't do anything. They're not productive. They have a huge kind of brain fog and they essentially, they can't operate to a high standard outside. So I think with this high performance life is, yes, we can perform to a high level in training competitions, but what about outside? Yeah, yeah, like uh, as athletes and, you know, look, I see it a lot with cyclists. They say to themselves, right, I'm Dara, I'm a cyclist, you know, and that brushes off in every area of their life. It goes back to, look, you only just start fueling for your cycling, but you forget about going for a walk with, you know, one of your friends. You know, it's the simple case of if you're on your feet all day at work, that needs fuel. It's a simple thing like me waving my hands in front of the camera. All those small movements require energy. And that's an area that I neglected in the past. I was only fueling my training, but I totally, totally neglected my fueling away from the cycling and my just general, uh, you know, training and stuff like that. And that is a massive knock-on effect. And look, I know, you know, you have to fuel your training, but fueling your lifestyle is just essential so it is because that's what's going to allow you to maintain that momentum leading into your training sessions as well yeah absolutely it's all linked together like if you are fueling your training properly therefore you're less depleted and your recovery is better your daily fr- uh, freshness and fatigue scoring high and therefore you can coach to a higher standard you get better results with your clients and then it, that makes you feel better in yourself and then you have more so desire absolutely. to kind of train the next day and it all just links in Absolutely. You know, and there's so much information available at the moment, especially on social media platforms. And that can be quite confusing. But look, at the end of the day, it's something as simple as just eating more calories can have a profound (laughs) change on your whole, whole uh, lifestyle. It's massive, massive. Yeah, it's basically like the, the simple things done ruthlessly every single day. That's it, you know, and we're constantly looking for secrets, you know, and uh, I know there is no secrets, but I'm always like in the back of my head, oh, maybe there's something that I'm not doing. Maybe there's something I'm not doing. But the reality is it's just the basics implemented daily is what's going to bring about the biggest change at the end of the day. Yeah. So there's no kind of shiny object kind of syndrome there. And even like uh, when I'm trying to do like social media posts and like educate people, it's. I'm kind of looking at the research for like new kind of um, exciting innovations. And there isn't any. All it says is eat more carbohydrates. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't make the job any easier, does it? No. But look, you know, and, that, and that's the reality at the end of the day. Look, if there, if there is a secret out there, please, please uh, direct message me with whatever the secret is. But <laughs> the reality of that happening, I know it's not going to happen because there is no secret at the, at the end of the day. It's just high carbohydrate availability. That's what it is. That's it, yeah. And look, it's a it's a brilliant position to be in. Look, we all love carbohydrates. So look, the more you can eat, the better. <laughs> what's the uh, what's your PB with carbs? How many have you put in? It's been over a kilo, isn't it, a day? 
over a kilo a day. Yeah, and look, yesterday, yesterday's ride, uh, look, to be honest with you, I didn't, I was on the road all day and the tracking was a bit skewed. So I'd say it was up on 1,300, 1,400 grams of carbohydrates throughout that day, which is massive, you know, like on days like that previously, um, I would not have fueled in that manner. And that has allowed me to recover. So I got up this morning and look, it was like I did a normal training session and the energy expenditure was so big yesterday. Normally that would have a massive knock-on effect for days upon end. But, you know, I fueled adequately throughout the training ride. I hydrated and look, it just allowed me to recover. It's not just going to fuel the performance side of things. It's going to fuel the recovery side of things, which is massive. You know, you're just constantly thinking about what you can do in the training sessions. But that recovery element allows you to maintain that momentum with your performance day upon end. And that is just going back to nutrition for me, which is it sounds quite boring, but, you know, that's the reality of it. And that only really comes down to being very proactive with the planning. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't maximize your recovery and your fueling on the bike if you haven't prepped, you haven't planned anything, and therefore you haven't not only looked at the session itself, but what's happening the next day or the day after. And then, you know, one got this concept of like high carbohydrate availability locked in. We know we can kind of just uh, have a clear understanding of how a carb level is going to change on a daily basis accordingly. And therefore, yeah. yours on top of it, but it only comes down to forecasting for the week ahead and planning. Yeah, and that like that's going back to the education side of things. And um, I think when I started with you, um, you know, that planning would have been neglected. And you know, you're thinking about a long-term approach with your week nearly. And you know, each session's fueling strategy has a purpose. You know, the fueling strategy after that has a purpose. And that's an area I neglected in the past, and it didn't allow me to perform optimally in certain training sessions, just because that nutritional plan wasn't executed properly. Now, I always, or a lot of people would presume that nutritional plan is you know, eat this, that, and the other, where it's just as something as simple as, you know, monitoring carbohydrate levels throughout the day and throughout training sessions. That's, that's what it is. And that's your bread and butter when it comes to it. Yeah. No carbohydrate deficiencies. deficiencies <laughs> I can't remember the last time that I had a salad, you know, which is a bit of a shock to the system for me, because normally I would have had one at least every day. And now I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, it's a totally, totally different approach now. Uh, yeah, I remember like the first time we uh, spoke, you mentioned about uh, previous trainer camps, so very low sort of carbohydrate intakes, lots of salads and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of uh, touched on all the things that are working well for you. A lot of planning, a lot of carbohydrates. So absolutely incredible. Um, so what things have perhaps not worked for you in the past that have perhaps have held you back from excelling? Yeah, it's... I look back on that quite often and when I'm out in these longer training rides, that's what's going through my head a lot of the time. It's a case of, look, there was probably a period of two years where there was a huge or a highly periodized approach when it came to, you know, food intake and stuff like that. And that, you know, was tailored around low carbohydrate availability in theory trying to get the most out of you know certain endurance tra training rides and stuff like that but if i were to go back to that now i would have scrapped all of that and um, you know having that energy availability 
now has allowed me to have you know that energy availability that I can just hit each training session on the head I'm recovering from each training session and um, look if I was in this position where I was working with you three or four years ago I do think my cycling career would be definitely on a different page but then look you know that's that's with everything going well as well at the same time but you know look that low carbohydrate training and stuff like that that didn't work for me and it just had a seriously negative impact on my performance and it's just off the bike and away from training you know you're constantly on the edge and it's just because you're not getting enough cal- calories in your diet and look it's 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 not enough carbohydrates to fuel the intensity of the training which just really puts a spanner in the works when it comes to your progression so it does and it's it's, it's unfortunate now that i say it but I'm thankful that I've learned this and, you know, it's, um, God only knows where it's going to take me now, which is a brilliant position to be in. Absolutely. No, that, that's really insightful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so sometimes you do need to go through these kind of processes to kind of find out what doesn't work because uh, now you know exactly what does work for you. Uh, and like I said, this is just going to make you more resilient and more robust going forward with your plan of action and, your implementation as well because you know how important this is and if you don't do it you know how it's going to affect you in terms of performance your energy levels outside of training your mood your well-being your immune function your happiness all that kind of stuff so no sometimes you do need to go through it i feel um so one of the things you mentioned before was um i imagine this is perhaps in the same kind of time frame uh, same sort of era when you just dropped a lot of body weight becoming very light but then your power output just went down massively. So was that in the same kind of era? And yeah, it was in the, at the exact same time. So it was, you know, and look, uh, probably lost a lot of muscle, uh, probably riding around with uh, empty glycogen stores as well on top of that, you know, and performance went downhill. And, you know, what we see and what we are told from certain individuals doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly true. And, you know, my first year as a professional, um, I remember we were staying in a hotel in Mallorca and there was all the World Tour teams there. And I was coming from, you know, eating very little food, you know, low carbohydrate all the time. And if I saw anybody who was eating massive amounts of carbohydrates, I'd be looking at them with two heads and I was saying to myself, is this guy crazy? You know, like, and that's only because you know, you do something so often, you start to believe it's, it's, it's the way it is. And when I got to the race hotel, biggest teams in the world, Team Sky, Trek Segrafado and everybody, we were all at the buffet and the plates of rice that these guys were eating, I'd say they were the size of their heads. And, you know, that just, you know, said to me, Jesus, I need to do this. And that was a kind of a learning curve for me at the time where I says, Jesus Christ, maybe I need to get a bit of help in this area because if I continue the way I'm going, you know, my longevity in the sport won't last, last very long. So yeah, I'm delighted that I, I saw that. And, you know, the changes that I've made since then is are phenomenal. Is a certainly a bit of a wake up call then for sure. It is, it is. Yeah. And look, you know, don't believe everything that you're told and especially on the social media side of things, um, you know, your social media and your social environment can have a massive profound effect on, you know, just your implementation and your approach to certain strategies. So I'd say whatever your 
area of interest is for your hobbies lie or your your sports and stuff like that make sure you're following somebody who has you know professional evidence you know principle-based um protocols you know and someone who's professional in the area you know we wouldn't get our information um from the back of a freaking cereal box or something like that you know so why would we just follow the stuff that we see on social media yeah that, that's very true extremely true so when you um we saw like just for my own sort of curiosity when you're looking at coaches not just for like say nutrition but cycling how can you sort of find out who's credible and who to kind of follow and perhaps who to kind of stay away from? Do you have like a, a bullshit detector that you've installed and you can kind of recognize um, coaches who are like... Are yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of it is a lot of, a lot of coaches are trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to training and, you know, just nutrition in general. And you, when you're a coach yourself, you can see it. But... When you're an individual, you know, who's on the outside and doesn't have a great understanding in the area, it's very hard for them to see it. So the first thing that I would say to people is just, look, do your own bit of homework on the area from an accredited source. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. It could be a simple case of, you know, doing your homework in the area and uh, looking into your national govern, governing body as to, you know, what's right and stuff like that. And then translate that into your own search for a coach but you know any coach who's in, uh, trying to you know preach something that is totally away from principles and stuff like that uh, needs their head examined and that's the first thing I would do but look you know as I said you know with your system when I initially got in contact with you it's a case of you know you're asking a number of questions you're doing this that and the other but this, that, and the other, and you can get a feel for the individual. So I can get a feel for you when I'm requesting to work with you as a as an athlete, and you can get uh, a feel for me as the athlete when you're the coach. And that look may leave you in the position where you say, "Look, this person isn't right for me," or you know, "I'm right for this person," and we click here and we respond well. That's a big part of it, away from you know the accreditations and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's the type of approach that I would take, and you know. I'm thankful that I know that now and I'm thankful that I can implement that now when it comes to it. And I've seen that with you as well, Chris. It's just the way you approach the situation when I came to you asking you for, you know, have you any availability in terms with the athlete coaching and stuff like that? And that just allowed me to, you know, instantly uh, click uh, straight away. It can be quite hard, but, you know, it's a case of doing your homework in the area and just not jumping on the first uh, thing that moves is to say yeah that, that's really cool that's really uh, insightful again thank you um so cool so in terms of um like key metrics so obviously cycling is just bombarded with just data all the time and sometimes you get a little bit of like paralysis with all like the the data and all the um like i said all the metrics kind of thrown at you every single minute or every single second of a ride so how how do you um, kind of get through all that? Like, what do you kind of focus on and what are the key metrics you work off to make sure that you're moving in the right direction? So I look at this from a, just an athlete point of view and what works for me. I think numbers can be quite futile at the end of the day because they're just numbers, you know? And I think 
your approach to, you know, seeing what works for you goes back to how do you feel with everything? So it's a case of how well are you sleeping when you're implementing this approach? How well are you, um, how well are you getting through your day to day when you're implementing this approach? That's, that's the big one. And that's very, very boring. It's, it's a simple question of, look, how do you feel can, you know, answer a lot of questions for you. And with a world full of technology and stuff like that, um, you know, I struggle to trust a lot of these things because at the end of the day, a lot of, you know, uh, training platforms and watches and stuff like that, um, they're showing your fitness from a mathematical representative and, you know, true fitness and true, you know, feel good feeling and stuff like that is not uh, originating from maths or anything like that or any algorithms it's all going back to how do you feel and you know are you able to stay in this long term are you feeling good are you happy with what you're doing it's simple things like that that allow you to or that allow me to get the most out of it and you know that's they're my kpis at the end of the day it's it's very, very basic, but it's it's paying dividends at the end of the day as well. So it is. Yes, that's very good to know. So have you then paid more attention to certain metrics and data that I probably have like taken down the wrong path or perhaps overwhelmed you or yeah. Um I think I wouldn't have um really super or hyper focused on any metrics, but you know, things like heart rate and stuff like that, they they are good indicators of certain um, fitness indicators then at the end of the day for me. So when I was, you know, under fuel in certain training sessions and stuff like that, I used to get a lot of heart rate drift and a longer endurance ride. So what that is basically is your heart rate rises toward the back end of an endurance ride, which is can sometimes indicate a lot of stress on your body. But since I started fueling my workouts properly, it's it's practically eliminated that uh, heart rate drift. I'm only seeing about one to two percent drift compared to the first half of the ride, and you know that's that's a metric that I would uh, monitor, say, on a longer endurance ride and stuff like that. And it's amazing how something small like you know eating enough carbohydrate on a training ride can have such a profound effect on one tiny tiny metric, which is which is amazing at the end of the day. So it is. One to two percent uh, change towards the end. That's pretty incredible. Whereas, yeah, and previously it could have been eight or nine percent of a change. You know, and a seven percent uh, difference is massive when you are looking at it from a, a high performance point of view as well. So it is absolutely like just like a small change in hydration status can increase yeah. cardiovascular strain. Yeah, that's going to increase your perceived exertion, and that in itself yeah. is going it's to massive. decrease performance massive and it's 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 amazing you know and it's something as simple as you know fueling properly can change everything for the better so it can yeah it's it's incredible like when you break down performance-based nutrition to its most uh, simplistic elements there's two questions are you eating enough carbohydrates are you drinking enough fluid literally yeah. you can solve performance just by answering those two questions correctly that's it and like i think for a lot of athletes, they can, you know, dr dramatically improve their performance over a short space of time by hyper-focusing on something as small as, you know, eat more carbohydrates and hydrating properly. It's crazy, so it is. Yeah, it is mental. So um, 
we've obviously talked about a lot about carb hydrates, which is fantastic. Um, but as cyclists, um, you know, a question that is always going to be asked is, you know, what's your watts per kilo? What's your power to weight ratio? How important is that question for you? So how important is your power to weight ratio? It does um, have some importance, but it ultimately depends on the races that I'm participating in. So the bulk of my races are here in Ireland. So you're over rolly flat terrain. Um, when it comes to that type of terrain, right, watts per kilo is important on uphill sectors and stuff like that. But I'd be uh, veering down the road of, you know, what sort of re repeatability can I do with certain efforts and stuff like that? What's my absolute power for certain areas? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be doing five watts per kilo for 20 minutes. It can be something like I can, can I repeat five watts per kilo 10 times throughout a race for three minutes at a time? That's what's important to me when it comes to uh, watts per kilo and stuff like that for when races or for the races. But you look, it is very, very important. But at the end of the day, it's not the be all and end all. You could do 20 minutes uh, high watt per kilo effort at the beginning of the race at six watts per kilo. And if you can't do anything after that, <laughs> you're not good for anything, really. You know, it's how often can you repeat those efforts and stuff like that. And that all comes down to, you know, a, a strategy, a fueling strategy as well. But, you know, look, watts per kilo are only one part of the equation. I know they play a massive, massive um, uh, role in, you know, the likes of Grand Tours and stuff like that. But I'm not competing in Grand Tours. I'm competing in one day races at the weekend where, you know, it's just about an effort throughout the whole entire race as opposed to one um, watt per kilo effort that it doesn't define the whole race at the end of the day. It's, there's a lot more factors to it than that. And I think as, as a younger rider and stuff like that, you can get caught up in X, Y, and Z and, you know, uh, you have to do X uh, watts per kilo for an X period of time. And at the, end, at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as your numbers are within a ballpark area. Um, and then you should be focusing on, you know, the other key factors away from that. So your endurance capacities and stuff like that. That's what's important. It's not just one number that's going to define you as an athlete. That's incredible. I think a lot of cyclists needed to hear that 100%. And it sounds like you've had a big paradigm shift from the earlier kind of years of, you know, dropping body mass, but then really sacrificing your power. So again, which is a, kind of a little yeah. bit futile there, because if you are then looking at the whole power to weight ratio equation, like, yes, you like it, but if you're weak as a kitten, then you can't produce any power, then you're exactly in, you're probably in the same position if not worse but then you're not eating to fuel and you feel shit by yourself and like exactly. it's absolutely now, terrible if we, at, if we looked at my watts per kilo from the past my watts per kilo would have been much much higher because i was lighter but you know we're only looking at one effort in in isolation you know we're not looking at the bigger picture and my numbers look they're my 20 minutes or my five minute max power watts per kilos. They're not as high as they were back then, but now I can repeat those efforts, you know, one after another, I can do, you know, one effort, you know, five times upon end. And then, you know, I'm doing the same, same numbers, but back then I could only do it once. 
and I was dead and it was a waste of time. So looking at, you know, those numbers in isolation, um, if you're doing that, it's it's going to have a severe, severe negative effect on your performance audits. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, a, and that's a huge thing, this whole repeatability, being able to maintain high work capacity throughout without kind of fading, without dropping off, without bonking or anything like that. Yeah, and look, that's it's it's just so important, you know, and once you discover that and once you understand that, you're probably going to change your performance for the better. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So with your training, uh, obviously, it is, the bulk of it is going to be cycling, but do you do any additional strength and conditioning work, uh, any mobility, any yoga, anything like that to help support and complement your cycling and power development and things? Yeah, I'm a big advocate of the strength and conditioning side of things. And then I also have my own yoga protocols. Just it's a simple case of whenever I get a chance, really, I'm doing something uh, as simple as, you know, uh, basic yoga poses and stuff like that. But the big one for me would definitely be the strength and conditioning side of things. Uh, just from an injury prevention point of view, um, you know, look, your your only your availability is very very important when it comes to training and if you're constantly fighting an injury and um, you can forget about progression you know you're going to be going backwards at the end of the day if you're not turning up for training sessions so i have started implementing um the strength and conditioning side of things and that's had a massive massive um effect on my performance now look when you start implementing these sort of strategies into your training you will tend to see, you know, fluctuations in weight quite a bit more. But, you know, we're only human at the end of the day and these things are totally normal. But yeah, look, it's a simple case of if I knew these things earlier, it would make a massive, massive difference in my performance. But yeah, super, super important on the strength and condition side of things. I'd like to dive into other bits and pieces a bit more, but, you know, it's, it's the time is the hard one there. You know, it's just there's only a certain number of hours in the day. Absolutely, absolutely. So, like we always say, like an athlete's greatest ability is their availability. Because the more training yeah. sessions you can complete, the more races you can do, ultimately yeah. the better you're going to be. It's just a numbers game at the end of the day. That's it. That's it. And you know, it's it's boring stuff. And you know, high performance when you look at it on in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's it's quite boring. But you know, that's the way it is, unfortunately. So. It, sometimes boring is good though uh sometimes yeah sometimes just being bored is a good thing because you know that you've been disciplined and you're doing the same thing over and over and we know that's gonna have compounded effect and you're gonna get a nice return on that uh energy investment at some point absolutely absolutely yeah brilliant so one of the things i want to sort of touch on is basically how you kind of cyclically get sorry yeah how you best get prepared psychologically for your sort of um big training sessions your performance sessions races is there any kind of routines you go through or anything or is it a case of that's the session I need to do they're the numbers i'm process driven i'm doing it or do you do anything uh, a little bit different i don't do anything out of this world but the funny, the funny one is i actually really look forward to um, my breakfast every morning <laughs> and that for whatever reason it's just i love the big breakfast before a long endurance ride or that carb heavy meal before uh, a long training ride and the food that I'm consuming on the training rides. That's a very, very boring answer. Um, I think when you're a process-driven athlete, you know, that's all part of, part of the process and that tends to take care of itself. 
and um, there's nothing out of this world where I'm meditating in my bedroom before I go training. No, I don't do that. I think it just, it's a flow state and it, it just happens really at the end of the day. I don't have an answer for that, unfortunately. No, no, that, that, that's brilliant because sometimes people, athletes do feel like they need to do X, Y, Z, have everything locked in and need to do X, Y, Z strategy. But sometimes it's as simple as let's not clutter the process. Let's make yeah. it as simplistic as possible. And uh, that's it, you know, and it's, it's going back to making it a bit boring. But look, as you said, you know, boring is good. So, you know, if it works, it works. Stick with it yeah superb so in terms of like your daily non-negotiables so obviously you've got a lot to get through from like the preparation side um not just from like the training but the nutrition the cooking side of things obviously with your own coaching doing the sessions itself your snc your yoga your uh you know everything basically you've got a lot going on i do have certain like non-negotiables that you need to get through every single day to be able to achieve what you need to in the 24-hour period yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and the coaching, the coaching and then my own performance are probably the biggest non-negotiable. So I look at that. I need to be doing everything that I can in order for these to, you know, continue to progress in a positive manner. So that is a funny one. I find that once I'm in the position that I can do my training, it's going to have, you know, it's going to put me on a, you know, give me a good start to the day, really. And, you know, for me to be able to do good training sessions is, you know, you get off the bike, you feel good, and then you're hitting your coaching work after that um, and throughout the day and trying to work on top of that as well. That gives me the momentum, but it's a funny one. And, I just can't emphasize it enough, really. And I'm always going back to this. I need to be fueling that. And without me adequately fueling that day-to-day, my training session, whatever I'm doing on my feet throughout the day, if I'm not fueling it, everything suffers. And when everything suffers, it's not a good position to be in. So I suppose you could say the biggest non-negotiable for me is, you know, fueling the day. Um, And whether that's fueling my training sessions or my day-to-day or whatever that may be, this is not, I'm not able to achieve any of this if I'm not eating properly or eating enough. And I've seen that before when I wasn't eating enough throughout the day um, you know, everything suffered. And, you know, the first thing that was neglected was my own training because, you know, when you have, when you're looking after individuals, you don't want to let them down. So you're kind of putting your attention toward that. But when your training suffers, you get, you can get in a bad state mentally. So, um, I just, it's just come back to that fueling at the end of the day. And people might be thinking, oh, Jesus, this fella, all this fella talks about is food. But look, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's a nutrition uh, podcast. Get over it. <laughs> it's, it's a nutrition podcast. And, and you know, I, I was hoping to be able to provide something different, but it's all going back to that one thing. And it just goes to show you the importance of it. Absolutely. So I really like the point you made there because this is a trap I fell into before. It's like perhaps not serving yourself first. Yeah. Or you can't serve others as best as you can do. So if you get training done first, you're eating right, you do sleeping right, stress management's good, you're operating from a really solid base, then yeah. it's absolutely classic to go out and serve everyone else to the best of your ability. 
if absolutely. you're absolutely depleted and you feel just pretty fucked and not very good by yourself, it's very hard to show up and be at your best to the people who are essentially paying you. That's it. And look, you just answered my uh, the question for me there, really, you know, in, in uh, with more clarity, you could say. <laughs> I just know, yeah, just know for like for myself, and that's where like the average to elite physique kind of product kind of stemmed from like maybe just over a year ago now. Um, it's kind of like just on the business, on the business all the time. And then get to the end of the day and it's like, oh, I, I'm absolutely ruined. I'm absolutely wrecked. And I can't yeah. put any intensity or an intent or focus into my training and stuff like that. And it's almost just like a negative kind of spiral. But now it's like, right, make sure all my non-negotiables are done first. So then they're all taken care of. I feel great by myself and I can show up and deliver much better than. Yeah. And like, it's, it's amazing the effect that that can have on, every area of your life you know it's if you're putting yourself first i know it's it's quite difficult to do to do that when you are working with individuals and you know you're helping them in certain aspects but when you're looking after yourself first you're just going to carry that energy into every other task for your day and it's just going to have a massive massive you know positive effect yeah undoubtedly so we know that uh, fueling and taking care of yourself is really important. Do you have uh, any other non-negotiables that you look uh, to do, whether it's sleep X amount of hours per night or anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, um, other than that, no, I'm quite a plain Jane, as they say. Um, it doesn't take much uh, to satisfy me. Well, look, it's it can be something simple as, you know, uh, socialising um, with people close to me. So whether it's just simple conversation with family or friends and stuff like that, just checking in on people. Um, you know, it, it just it gives you a, set, uh, a sense of purpose at the end of the day. And, you know, it gives me a sense of purpose anyway. And that's that's probably the other non-negotiable away from that. And, um, you know, it doesn't take much. Uh, to satisfy an athlete when their number when their number one uh, thought really is performance, but yeah, look, that's that's about it, really. So you don't have to be an athlete twenty four seven. There's times no. where you can get out of this kind of athlete kind of mindset and actually chill out and socialize and do stuff. That's it, you know. And look, um, the more normality you have in your day to day, the better athlete you will become. That's my view because when you're constantly focusing on performance and you know doing everything by the book it can it can have more of a negative effect than a positive effect so you know normality as much as possible is is very very important absolutely and if something doesn't go quite as planned then it doesn't feel like your whole life is kind of falling That's apart it. yeah you have that better <laughs> yeah. balance yeah whereas in the past like if something went wrong with training the whole day is a wipe off you know and it's, it's just it, it can be a pain but look you know learning that is is a massive step so it is yeah no that's very that's a very good lesson in itself and yeah what i want to kind of do now is transition into the final question of the podcast today so uh essentially what advice would you give a young aspiring rider coming up through the ranks do you have perhaps like one to three bits of advice you can offer them to basically excel and progress at the desired rate and essentially just not waste any time with their physical athletic development. Yeah, well, um, the I, first can get, I can guess the first one. <laughs> Take a, what's, what's, what's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, there was, there, was a, there was a link to that, all right. Um, <sighs> yeah, well, look, um, to build on that, it would be work with coaches in a number of areas. So... Um, first of all, work with a coach um, who has your best interest at heart 
in your performance. Okay, so it and that goes back to look working with a coach that you can communicate with on a daily basis. Um, it's 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 as simple as that. So a coach doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's providing you with a training program. It can be somebody who's in a club who can just basically give you a pat on the back when you complete you know x y or z it's something as simple as that having these individuals around you will allow you to flourish and then you know to build on your response it's work with a nutritionist um for it doesn't have to be for the remainder of your career it can be just for a certain amount of time so you can learn the principles and be in the position where you can implement them uh, comfortably going forward on your own accord that you don't need somebody holding your hand the whole time the third one would be enjoy it and in order to enjoy it you must not neglect your life away from your sports so that can be spending time with friends and family as often as possible laughing as often as possible simple things like that will allow you to become a very very good athlete so look it's it's quite basic on that side of things but you know that's that's my response to that it's nothing too complicated and you know i think we're not trying to uh, constantly search for secrets when it comes to performance side of things and the sooner that you know that there is no secrets it's a lot of hard work and you know, the hard work will pay off at the end of the day, providing that, you know, environment is right and you're implementing those other areas that I spoke about previously. Yeah, amazing. So I think that is such a good way to finish today's episode. I think we covered absolutely huge amount. Um, yes, yeah, so I just want to say a big thank you for your coming on. Uh, I think a lot of cyclists out there will take a huge amount of insight and value away from you. So thank you for sharing your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a million, Chris. Thanks awesome. a million. And lastly, uh, where can people follow you? Uh, where's the best um, sort of platform? Yeah, so you can follow me on my uh, coaching platform, and that's Dara Feely Coaching. That's on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can just follow my personal profile to keep up to date with all my training and racing endeavors. And um, yeah, look, just those two places, you'll be able to find me there, no problem. And Strava. And Strava, yeah, yeah, and Strava. <laughs> That's the cyclist's best friend, you know, the ultimate socializing platform for any endurance athlete. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Dara, thank you very much again for your time. Hugely appreciate and value it. Uh, and I will speak to you very, very soon. Brilliant. Thanks, dude.